When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. We have the unique opportunity right now in 2018 to see the world economy slowly but surely decline and, and crash. And we can see this in real time. Sure, I mean, the, the official economic data that eventually will be released by various governments, by various organizations, you know, that's, that's months out, that's quarters out before we get some of these GDP or job numbers or whatever. And, and of course, even those numbers oftentimes are doctored. But we can see this happening in real time in stock markets around the world, currency markets, bond markets around the world. Take, for example, a country like Turkey, which is undergoing essentially a currency crisis right now. Their, their uh, president, um, Erdogan, was, was recently reelected. As soon as he began his new term, and remember, their, their currency had already been struggling up to this point, as soon as he began his new term, he puts all these new rules in place, basically giving him the power to appoint the, the head of the central bank. He appoints his son-in-law as the finance minister, and obviously that's not something that's going to, to give a whole lot of confidence to, to currency traders, to the markets. Um, and he says that, okay, the, the Turkish lira is going to um, you know, appreciate versus the dollar, that the dollar is going to sink. But then he also says that even though the Turkish lira has been suffering so much, he still wants to try and fire up the economy, get the economy rolling again by lowering rates, which is going to weaken the lira, right? And then we've seen it crash even more since then. I mean, we can see these things happening in real time in countries like Turkey, in countries like Brazil, uh, even India, currency markets in, in, in India or, or um, you know, the Argentina, Mexico. Uh, this is a worldwide event. The thing is, though, that, you know, just like in the past, let's say, you know, leading up to, to the Great Recession, um, it hasn't really hit home yet for a lot of U.S. Or, or even Western investors, but especially in the U.S. I mean, Europe, they, they have some of their own issues that, that have been very real and have been reflected in their markets in regards to, to um, the euro crisis and, and Italy, et cetera, et cetera. But in the U.S., these things haven't really hit home yet. I mean, just like in 2007, 2006, people were saying... The housing market is in a bubble, right? These valuations are way too high. And some people were even on to the whole idea of a subprime crisis, that there's a lot of, of mortgages essentially being signed off on, on, on people that are not credit worthy, right? These very expensive houses at very high rates, um, even in perfect economic times, it would have been unlikely that a lot of those people would have been able to keep up on those mortgages, right? People saw that coming. They talked about it. They sounded the alarm back then. And yet, much of the mainstream media, they kept their head in the sand, right? They, they did not want to listen to it. They said, this is great economic growth. It's never going to stop. And we're seeing the same thing today. In fact, I just saw a headline, a ridiculous headline, just the other day. Um, from CNBC, and I'll, I'll kind of read it to you guys here. It's titled, Here's Why the Dow Will Hit 40,000 by 2025. Written by a guy by the name of Dave S. Gilriath. He's a partner and founder of Shayoff Brock Investment Advisors. Okay, And this guy is arguing that this bull market, that even though some people are saying that it's overstretched, that it's been going on for too long, 
essentially since you know 2009, since the Great Recession ended, that he believes it's going to go on for many, many more years. And that by 2025, so seven years roughly in the future, it's going to be topping 40,000. Unlikely. Now, can I conceive of that happening? Sure, there are some possibilities. A, just a massive amount of manipulation. Sure, that can happen. Or B, um, inflation. A lot of inflation between now and 2025. Uh, that could certainly push the Dow above 40,000, but that's not going to be ideal situations. That's not what this guy is talking about. No, he's saying that, well, you know, technically this bear market or this bull market, it hasn't been going on since 2009. It actually, you know, there, there were technically 20% dips in many indices. Uh, between 2020 or 2015 and, and 2016 and that technically this bull market's only been going on for a little bit over you know a year or two you know and now that might be true that some indices actually had a more than just a correction but actually a 20 percent drop during that period of time but i think in retrospect i think a lot of us can say that you know that wasn't really this signaling the end of a bull market right that wasn't a real bear market that was maybe just a, a large correction right even if technically speaking is a greater than 20 percent dip but here's this guy calling for a 40,000 um dow jones industrial average by 2025 well you know the truth of the matter is that the dow jones industrial average from its peak to its its bottom during the great recession was cut in half essentially Cut in half, okay? And, and you can look at what the Dow Jones is right now. It's up around 25,000, just shy of 25,000. Cutting it in half would put it back around, you know, 12,000, 13,000, okay? And, and you know, people back in 2007 would have said, that's ridiculous, that can't happen. But we're seeing these things happen in real time. And I want to get more into this in, in this video here in a second, some of these headwinds that are facing the markets, face, facing the economy today. Um, there's there's three or four that, that certainly come to mind. Um, but, but I do want to spend some time talking about this because the idea of the stock market crashing by 50% seems inconceivable to people. And yet, okay, there's, there's some, some real powerful market signals that we're seeing right now, um, particularly the yield curve, okay? The yield curve, okay? The, the, it's, it's not perfect, right? The yield curve is, is it a symptom of a weakening economy? Or is it is it just traders preparing for a weakening economy? It's hard to say. Is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Maybe there's some truth to that as well. But the truth of the matter is that the yield curve, you know, since 99, since 2000, that period of time, the yield curve has actually inverted twice, flattened and actually gone inverted twice, okay? Once around that, you know, dot-com bubble popping time. Um, and again, leading up to a great recession before, you know, both times it, it quickly steepened again and it, and it looked like a normal yield curve again. In 2000, 2001, the dot-com bubble popped. The Dow Jones Industrial Average did not suffer a ton during that period of time, right? Because, of course, it, it was the dot-com bubble. It was tech stocks that were wildly overvalued. And, and they suffered big time. And I think the, the NASDAQ, I was just looking at some of these numbers here. The NASDAQ in, let's see here, it peaked out in early 2000, around 5,000. You know, I don't know if it actually topped 5,000 or not, but right around 5,000. Its bottom in September of 2002 in the 1,200 range, okay? So it wasn't cut in half. It was cut in half and then cut in half again, right? Okay, um, and, and you know, that was just because that was really what was overvalued back then. But then you can look at the Dow Jones. The Dow Jones didn't suffer a ton during that yield curve inversion, but 
It certainly did during the Great Recession. It was cut in half during that period of time. And right now we're, we're getting really close to a yield curve inversion. You know, I, I find it extremely unlikely that somehow the yield curve is going to get as flat as it is right now. And yet somehow, magically, it's going to steepen again. That's just... I just don't see that happening. There are a ton of headwinds for the global and the U.S. economy right now. So just an example of, of people keeping their head in the sand and ignoring some of these very real. I mean, it's not a mystery as to why some of these global markets, emerging markets in particular, are suffering. It's not a mystery, right? Um, you know, some of the exact specifics we're, we're not going to know until, you know, a couple of years in the future. And we can kind of look back at, oh, that's how all this started. Um, but it's, it's no mystery, okay? And, and so I want to get into, I'd say, maybe three or four different, I'd say three, because I already mentioned the yield curve, and that's not necessarily a headwind for the U.S. economy. That's more of a predictor. But I want to get into three major headwinds for the U.S. and the world economy right now that are just being ignored by, by much of the, the mainstream media. Or, you know, if they are reporting on it, they're not pricing it in appropriately. They aren't, okay? So first of all, because we already kind of discussed it, some emerging markets, Okay. I actually saw an excellent article here over on, um, it was over on Zero Hedge, okay, titled The Terrible Trio, Why Goldman Thinks Something's Gotta Give, okay, and this is this kind of analysis from Goldman Sachs, um, their head of Forex, uh, Jeff Curries, okay, and basically what he says is that right now, emerging markets are largely suffering because of the terrible trio, and that something's gotta give, or else, well, they're, they're probably going to continue to drop anyways, um, but something's got to give before this really resolves itself. So the, 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 the big problem here is higher rates, rise in oil prices, and a stronger dollar. And that historically, those three, three things combined together have been disastrous for emerging markets. And that's what we're seeing right now. This is what I'm saying when we're seeing this in, 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 in uh, live, right? We're, this is happening live right now. This is not something that's playing out over a period of months or, or, or years or anything, you know. We can see these currencies drop by a couple percentage points in a matter of minutes, a couple hours, okay? That's insane. I mean, if that happened for the dollar, can you imagine the dollar dropping from, you know, the, the, the DXY index dropping from 94 to 90 in a matter of hours? That's crazy. And yet we're seeing it in, in some of these other markets. You can see it with the uh, Turkish lira. If I, if I uh, look at a chart here to give you perfect numbers to, to put to this, um, it's dropping. So it was, let's see here, going back to the ninth when, when Erdogan was sworn in, okay, topped up around 4.5. This is US dollars to, to the Turkish lira. So right, you know, just shy of 4.5 lira per dollar, basically. It's already around, you know, getting pretty close to 4.8. Okay. That's a huge move in currency markets. That's a huge move. We're seeing this in live time. Same thing is happening with Chinese yuan, which, you know, interestingly is is coinciding with this ongoing trade war, something I'll be mentioning later on in this video. Also, um, you know, some people have kind of said that maybe this, the yuan being devalued is actually part of this emerging market crisis, right? Maybe we should be thinking of the yuan the same as we would um, you know, the lira or, or the Argentine peso or, or the uh, Brazil real, which have all, you know, suffered over the last couple of months. Um, but, but the terrible trio, getting back to that, you know, these three things that are, that are kind of working against it right now, these, these emerging markets. And, and we basically have to ask ourselves, like, you know, as rates continue to rise, because they are rising, right? You can see it in, in bond yields, 
whether it's these individual countries or the U.S. bond yield, whatever, um, you're seeing it in uh, central banks. The Bank of Canada today, I saw raising it, their, uh, their interest rates. Um, the Fed has been slowly but surely raising their interest rates. Many of these countries have been, their central banks have been raising rates to try and fight this, this flight of capital and, and, and this crash of, of the currency markets. Um, that's probably not going to go away anytime soon, right? Maybe except for in the case of, of Turkey. Um, it's 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 gonna. I think I still think that that's months out at least before something like the Fed begins to reverse their monetary policy, right? Um, but you know, th- there's a good likelihood, you know, as crazy it sounds, that the Fed will be slowing down or reversing their monetary policy because of ultimately what's happening in these emerging markets and spill over into some of these more developed economies like the U.S. economy. Because that's eventually, you know, the, the long game here is, you know, what happens in Turkey. You know, it's, it's, this is not Las Vegas, right? What happens in Turkey does not stay in Turkey, right? The Turkish economy is not huge. We're, we're not talking about um, China or Germany or something like that. Sure, we're not talking about one of their economies really crashing, but but that spills over into other countries as well, European Union or or, or some other Asian countries. Same goes for, for the Indian economy or the Brazilian economy, which is fairly sizable, Argentina, right? That spills over. Right, in effect, eventually that spills over into the U.S. markets. Okay, um, so so higher rates, that's not going away anytime soon. Rise in oil prices, you know, I don't talk about that a ton on this channel because I've talked about this idea of these emerging markets suffering because of of rates to some extent, but also a stronger dollar. I don't talk a ton about rise in oil prices, but um, certainly the I, I don't I don't know I don't pay a ton of attention to the oil market because it's just outside of my realm of Maybe it's something I can work on, on on watching more closely, but um, I don't see oil prices coming down anytime soon, right? Uh, especially as we you know we see the U.S. government really putting pressure on countries to do less and less business with with Iran. Um, I think we can expect to see less and less oil output out of Venezuela. Um, and and you know if you listen to uh, Steve San Angelo, you know. He's he said for a long time now about you know the, some of the trouble that the U.S. oil markets um, or oil producers have been in because of the large amount of debt that they've taken on. I don't see oil prices going down significantly anytime soon. Certainly not to you know sub fifty dollar levels. Um, and then you have a stronger dollar, right? Uh, that's the other big thing that is pushing down these these uh, emerging market currencies and and markets, uh, stock markets. You know, I don't see that going away until I would say the Fed starts to um, loosen their policy and, you know, when the U.S. economy starts to uh, really decline, you know, according to some of these official numbers. Um, I don't see that going away quite yet. So you have this this terrible trio right now, and, and you're seeing, you know, if, if the U.S. stock market was dropping 20%, 30%, 40%, it'd be all over the news, right? And yet, you know, when, when, when some of these emerging markets fall, you, you just don't see it as much, Right. Um, but but eventually that type of thing spills over into other economies, including the U.S. economy. So again, head in the sand type of moment. You have to be keeping an eye on these. If if you are um, if you're kind of wondering, you know, what is it going to be that then ultimately causes this next kind of global recession? Emerging markets is pretty high up on that list. Um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about was the trade war. Okay, now the trade war has been getting a ton more attention by the media, even the financial media. Uh, this this trade dispute that no longer is just the U.S. and China, but but also you know, Canada and Mexico and and the European Union and and the U.S. is kind of at the center of it all. And, and Donald Trump and his 
his new trade policy. Um, you know, long term, I, I, I will, I will, people that are fan of these tariffs, I will concede this, that there could be two potential benefits from this trade war. First of all, I think a potential benefit would that be that it, it just gets so out of hand. These tariffs and all these other trade policies put in place get so out of hand that ultimately, you know, all these leaders, countries can come together and we can end up with a trading system that is more free, less tariffs than before this all started. Okay. That's one potential benefit. Another one is that, you know, maybe this could help some job markets here in the U.S. and and some segments of the economy, whether it's manufacturing or mining. Sure. There's a potential for that, but at what cost, right? Ultimately these, these tariffs are a tax. Okay. And, and I think trade is, it's a good thing, right? To say that we do not need trade, uh, especially with China, is, is I think an ignorant statement to make, right? Our economy, the world economy, uh, without trade would be in shambles, right? Um, it, it's one of the, the kind of great developments of the 20th century, 21st century, is more and more trade, right? Not that it, it certainly happened well before that, but, but that's how economies, that's how wealth was built, that's how economies grew, and, and whether we're talking about the spice trade or, God forbid, the slave trade, which a whole nother topic but i mean trade has always been a big piece of of the global economy and to say that well the u.s is gonna be fine without it is ignorant that the chinese economy is gonna be fine without that those exports right it's it's not it's i think even you know somebody like peter navarro one of one of the the big proponents of this trade war on on trump's team even he would admit that, yeah, trade's a good thing, but we, we just want, you know, what he would say is fair trade or whatever. Uh, but ultimately, these, these tariffs are going to decrease trade altogether. And that's going to be bearish for economic growth, bearish for markets. And, and you're seeing it priced in somewhat in the markets today. Um, but just wait, you know, just wait until you see this trickle down into things like economic growth, the job markets, and investments that companies are willing to make in further production or, or you know, capital expenses spending right um because because i think ultimately this this is going to put a lot of these these companies in in some sort of a limbo because they don't know are is our product or or one of the things that we we need to source to to create our product is it going to be on the next tariff list or or maybe it already is on the tariff list and and they're hoping well, maybe this trade war will be over in three months or six months uh, but the longer it goes on the more and more you'll see this trickle down into the u.s economy to the global economy and and I do believe that this is going to be a major headwind going forward. Um, but again, head in the sand moment, right? You're seeing this price in somewhat in the markets, but they're not taking it seriously, right? You saw this the other day. I think it was uh, Zero Hedge. Um, they they uh, they basically said that, oh, you know, surprise, surprise, the, the markets, you know, crashed. I think it was uh, after they, they closed yesterday when, when Trump said, you know, he's going ahead or he's going to release a list on the next... $200 billion worth of imports that he'd be placing tariff on. Um, and the markets reacted violently and they said, you know, they, they went down the futures or whatever. Um, and, and Zero Hedge, you know, the Tyler Durden or whatever, he basically said, you know, surprise, surprise, the markets didn't hear any news about the trade war for three days and, and figured it was over, even though two of those days were, were the weekend. And, and all of a sudden, you know, Trump never said this trade war is over. China has given no signal that they are lighting up either. Um, it's it's still on and, and yet markets forgot about that quickly uh but but no they're they're not going to be able to ignore it for much longer um so another major headwind and the final one that i want to talk about in this video and i know i'm getting 
you know, a little lengthy here, come up on 20 minutes here. But these are, again, things that we can see in live, uh, in, in, in real time and, and, and from, from a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. Um, the Federal Reserve and their tightening, okay? This is, this is a bit of a global thing. So, for instance, you know, we saw the Bank of Canada recently raise their interest rates by a quarter, um, quarter of a percentage point. Uh, we've seen the ECB signal that they plan on slowly taking away their quantitative easing program, and, and they're going to slowly begin interest rate, you know, ra- raising interest rates slowly but surely. Um, but but the Fed is, you know, maybe the most notable of, of those that are tightening right now, right? They've been raising interest rates, and I think, you know, just as importantly, they've been letting their balance sheet run off, okay? And, and again, you know, this is... I think eerily reminiscent of I wasn't watching markets back then, but leading up to the Great Recession, right? Um, as as Greenspan and eventually Bernanke um, began raising rates, and and you saw all these excesses in in markets, whether it's the housing market or or the stock market, um, rising rates obviously are not good for high uh, real estate valuations, right? It, it didn't take a genius to see that, right? And right now you have a a stock market with very high valuations. You have the everything bubble, right? You have high valuations in stocks, in real estate, in bonds, all of that. And simultaneously, you have a Fed that is tightening their policy. They're reducing their balance sheet, which in effect um, could potentially cause rates to go up, removes liquidity from the system. I mean, long story short, it was increasing that balance sheet that could be credited for a, a big portion of this this bull market since 2009. They're doing the opposite right now, and yet markets are hardly paying attention to it. They're hardly paying attention to this this uh, this policy that, it, as far as I know, has never really been successfully done in the past. Sure, quantitative easing, I think, might have been pioneered in the early 2000s. 2008, 2009, that would have been when it really became mainstream, when, when the Fed began it. Um, but quantitative tightening, that's... This is uncharted territory for the Federal Reserve, right? Uncharted territory for the markets. And and I don't think that it's going to end well. I don't. I mean, I've said for a long time now that I, I would be surprised if by the end of this year, the Fed has not stopped, slowed down, or, or totally reversed this, this tightening cycle because of the effects that, that this balance sheet reduction will have on the markets and 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 rates and and liquidity. Um, I think you know every day that the Fed allows more and more to run out their balance sheet, the the tightness of these markets um, increases, right? They become much, much uh, less liquid and much, much more likely to experience more volatility and and a drop in valuations, right? And and the same thing, you know, in the same vein with, with this tightening monetary policy. You know, I, I can think of two good examples right now, um, these these rising rates and, and real effect that they're having on the economy. First of all, the housing market, okay? You know, I saw the other day that I think it was San Francisco experience i don't know what it was but it was a a massive increase in housing prices real estate prices you know in the last six months or a year or whatever you know basically the bubble has still slowly been growing in that particular market okay what do you think that raising interest rates whether it's a mortgage rate or the fed funds rate by another half percentage point over over a couple months or or even a full percentage point what kind of an effect is that going to have on the housing market? I mean, you already have these sky-high valuations, right? Um, are they going to be able to stay that high with rising rates? I mean, rising rates, in essence, um, lead to lower prices in the housing market, right? 
I mean, you have to ask yourself if you're a buyer, even, you know, a lot of this is speculative buying in, in some of these bubble markets. But even if you're a buyer that plans on buying a house and living in that house, when, when you're determining your price range in San Francisco, let's say 40000 or 60000 or 80000 whatever your price range is, for, for, sorry, 400000 600000 800000 whatever your price range is, are you determining it kind of just arbitrarily and thinking, you know, I want a whatever price house? No, a lot of times what they'll do is they're going to say, I'm, I'm going to be taking out a mortgage on this house on, on such and such length, 30 years or whatever. Um, and, you know, what is my payment going to be for a $400,000, $600,000, dollars house, right? Can I swing that payment each month, okay? And if the answer is yes, then that's in their price range, okay? But you're going to have a higher mortgage payment if rates are going up because the overall, uh, you know, over the length of that of that mortgage, um, the over, overall amount that the that the um, that the home buyer is going to have to pay on that mortgage is going to go up. And so, if rates go up by a quarter percentage point, right, that could send, you know, the mortgage payment up by by, I don't know, fifty bucks, hundred bucks a month, and all of a sudden their price range is going to go down a little bit, right, and you know. Basically, the effect of that is that the, the buyers are, are going to basically be buying at a lower and lower price. The sellers aren't going to be able to kind of get the price that they're selling at. And it leads to sort of a collapse in the housing market, long story short, in, in, in these bubble markets. Um, and, and rising rates has a re- very real effect on that. The other one that I can think of, you know, I saw this the other day. I, I've been fairly open, I guess, not not about my, in, you know, the specifics of my financials, but the fact that I'm a grad student and that student loans are kind of a fact of, of life for me, unfortunately, and, and you know how I, I I wish I could have done things differently. I wish I would have known better when I was, you know, before I was in this space and before I was better educated on debt and whatever. But but you know, it's a fact of life. I'm I'm, I'm willing to accept it and to to do what I can about it. But anyways, um, you know, I'm still a grad student, so the idea of, of repaying those as loans right now is. You know, that's, that's still up in the future. You know, I saw a post, it's on some Facebook group or, or whatever, and, and it was by somebody that had their loans that they were being serviced through um, uh, Navient or Navient. It's, uh, I think it's it's run by the Department of Education or whatever, by, by the Fed, basic federal government, I believe. Um, or at least they've been tasked with, with servicing these loans that have been given out by the federal government. Um, and for whatever reason, these, this individual has a... Um, a variable rate loan, right? It's not a fixed. It, it goes up and down the markets. And each year around this time of year, apparently for this individual, maybe it's for all individuals, I don't know, they change the interest rate on those variable interest rate loans, okay? Can you guess what happened, you know, at, at the end of June, beginning of July, when they reassess those interest rates? Can you can you guess what happened to their interest rate that they're paying on it? It went up. And I couldn't tell you the exact number. Maybe it was one percentage point or I don't know. I'd have to look. But um, it was significant, you know, half percentage point or full percentage point, depending on how much they, they actually, you know, if it's just a $2,000 loan that they're just, you know, getting the last bits of it paid off, that's not a huge deal. But but if it's like 50000 a 100000 whatever it might be for the student loans, that's pretty significant, okay? And and again, you know, they're going to have to pay more each month this to, to I guess, keep on their, keep up on their payments on that loan and that money that is now going towards the loan, that extra money is no longer going to be going towards other expenses, right? Whether that's eating out at a restaurant 
or buying a more expensive house, buying a more expensive car, um, has very real effects on the economy. So um, the Fed tightening, I think, is a major headwind for the U.S. economy. That, that happens slowly, but we, we've seen the effects of it in the past. And I don't think it's going to be pretty this time around either. So, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts in this video down below in the comment section. A little bit, one of my, a little bit longer of my videos. I've been doing them a little bit shorter lately. So I'd love to hear feedback on that. I'd like to think that this would be a good video for a, a long drive or if you're working out or something, you know. Um, I try and keep things interesting, uh, some, some more in-depth discussion rather than quick five-minute or two-minute soundbite here on this channel. But you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section. As always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and God bless.